This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Today's episode is called Why Embracing Brain Health Can Transform Your Business and Your Life. I'm Tom Ruich, and as always, I'm going to kick off this episode with a short story. The year was 1972. I was a young kid growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, USA. Senator George McGovern was the Democratic nominee to run for president against the incumbent, Richard Nixon. On July 14th, McGovern announced that Senator Tom Eagleton from Missouri would be his running mate. Our state's senator was running to be vice president, and we were proud. A few days later, that pride transformed into shame. When news broke that Senator Eagleton had undergone electroshock therapy several years earlier to treat depression. Of course, there was no law against running for or holding elective office after being treated for depression. But in those days, such news pretty much disqualified Senator Eagleton, who stepped away from the race in shame. This may seem like ancient history, but today, 50 years later, there's still stigma and shame associated with brain health and mental health. Struggling with diabetes, a heart condition, or arthritis, people will openly talk about that on Facebook. Having trouble with marketing, customer service, or other business operations, people will gladly post a cry for help on LinkedIn, discuss it in a public forum, hire a coach. But feeling off emotionally and mentally, struggling with brain health, so many will not seek help or they'll keep it to themselves. They'll hide in the shadows. They won't talk about it because of the stigma and shame. That's changed some over the years, but not enough which is why I'm so glad to welcome today as my guest, Dr. Ruth Allen. Industry and family leaders hire Dr. Ruth to win back their energy and time doing what they love by boosting their brain power and performance because most are chained to their past. They don't use the right tools and techniques and have never measured and optimized their unique brain. Dr. Ruth is an Amen Clinic certified brain health professional, high performance coach, and havening practitioner, and she's the host of the show and podcast, Brain Health, Unchaining Your Pain. Dr. Ruth believes, as I do, that working on brain health is critical for human beings to achieve their potential, and she believes, as I do, that talking about it openly is critical to end the stigma and shame. She is all about bringing these conversations out in the open so people are just as comfortable working on brain health as they are trying to lose weight, 
beefing up their marketing skills or focusing on any other self-improvement program. Dr. Ruth Allen, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thank you so much, Tom. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to be on your show and I'm really looking to show, forward to sharing some of my stories. So thank you. Yeah. So full disclosure, I was on your podcast a few weeks back. That episode should drop before uh, this one. So you can look it up and, and hear our conversation. We had such a great conversation uh, when I was visiting with you on your podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since that one. And, uh, you know, the first thing I wanted to, to ask you is to make the distinction between what we t- what what you mean by brain health versus what people often talk about mental health brain health mm-hmm. versus mental health what's the yeah. difference so so mental health's really a subset of brain health mm-hmm. because mental health is the certain aspects of uh, having a mental illness that classify you Typically, they term it as on the wrong side of being okay. Um, so, if we take, you know, this, and we talk about the stigma, don't we, associated with mental health? You, the, the initial question we have is, is are you okay? Um, which are the, which is a black or white question. Mm-hmm. Which side of the line of fifty percent <laughs> do you fall? And I don't want to be fifty percent. So, so mental health is about is about being in that space, but in the context of the classifications associated with mental illness mm-hmm. and whether you do or don't have one of those conditions and, and some of the factors that can lead to that. But brain health encompasses everything to do with your brain, which includes all of the other struggles that people may have, including Alzheimer's disease, for example, Lyme's disease. Lyme's disease can be at the root cause of depression, as often missed as as the root cause of the problem. And then it's all about getting the best out of your engine of life, not about just being okay. It's about achieving the best you can with the engine that you own. And and everybody's engine is unique. So we have traditionally put people in buckets, you know, when, when this, when mental health first came into being and we started labeling certain conditions, those certain conditions were labeled as you were a less than the, the not the norm. Um, so you were less than what somebody defined as an okay brain um, without typically ever actually looking at the brain. And so people had been traditionally put in these buckets of less than. And in some instances, people were put in shame buckets and they still are, Um, particularly if you think of people who um, had um, death by suicide. um, They used to see that as a crime. So if you weren't successful, you'd be put in prison which is which is her- horrific thing to you know way to treat people um fortunately that doesn't happen um it, here in the UK anyway it may happen elsewhere in the world but um certainly doesn't happen here in the UK anymore which is great but there's still that stigma attached to the labels that that the medical profession has given people which often they themselves um 
experienced the struggles with too. Actually, mm-hmm. 75% of medical professionals through a study done here in the UK are experiencing a mental health struggle. So mm-hmm. that's <laughs> three in four people, which is phenomenal. So, and on average in the, in the States, um, you know, only 51% of people will have a mental health struggle at some point in their life. So there is really no normal <laughs> in yeah. this world. There is, you know, okay is, uh, isn't enough. We need to look at getting the best out of whatever engine we happen to have. Some people have racing car engines. Some people have cruising cars. You know, if you think of all of the variety of different cars uh, and trucks and everything that we have, it's the same, but multiplied by all of the population in in the world. So we've got over 7 billion different types (laughs) of engines. Um, And uh, and that's really what we're talking about in the context of brain health is not putting people in a bucket, but focusing on the individual understanding how their brain functions which parts of their brain work too hard which parts of their brain don't work hard enough what part of their brain is in trouble what part of their brain isn't in trouble um, and how can they get the best out of it and not only get the best out of it but keep leveling up um, and improving their performance and potential i i think that's a really critical idea because this idea of keep leveling up and the metaphor of the cars that I love, you may have a high performance engine. You may be, uh, you may be a race car and there is a, there is great benefit from going to work on your brain health just to get from high performance to higher performance from, uh, much better than, than, average or okay to you know the the whole idea of good to great um and and even then even when somebody is in that state of yeah i've got you know this engine is humming i'm doing well i want to tune it up i want to get to work i want to see you know how i can how i can elevate to the next level even then i think people are sometimes too reluctant to a, go in search of that help and go to work on that, and B, to talk about it openly. Because even if it's not a case of feeling less than and trying to get to better than less than, if it's a case of going from good to great, there's still, for whatever reason, this whole this whole stigma associated mm-hmm. with working on your brain, on on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mindset or brain health or mental health. So how, how do you combat that? How do you have that conversation with those who can benefit from what you do, but are Mm -hmm. hesitant for whatever reason to, Mm -hmm. to even dive into it? Well, so I kind of start with how do I educate my child, Lily? And she's (laughs) three and a half. So, so I'll tell you a little story. So Lily, when she was about 18 months old, went to the doctor and the doctor noticed that she maybe had a heart murmur. So they booked her in to see the pediatrician. Um, We went off to the hospital, talked about her heart, where her heart is in her body. You know, she's still young, 18 months at the time, but she understood what I was telling her. 
it's okay, Lily. And we went and saw the paediatrician, Dr. Kelly. Dr. Kelly was a hero. She went and saw him. Uh, he listened to her heart. He was a bit concerned. So she went and saw a cardiologist. The cardiologist listened to it. She did an ECG and stuck all these stickers on her. And she was fine about it because I talked about they're just checking your heart. It's all OK. And she was completely peaceful and calm. And then she had a, a, a scan of a heart to make sure that the, the blood flow was going around right. And she could look at the picture and it was all really great. And we left and, you know, she couldn't stop talking about Dr. Kelly and her, her experience, even though she was only eight months old. And the, the thing about that was it was really easy to talk to her and educate her about it because I talked about the organ. They imaged the organ. She knew that it wasn't her that was in trouble or potentially in trouble. It was the organ that was in trouble. When we talk about mental health, we don't talk about the organ we talk about some ethereal thing <laughs> that isn't necessarily attached to the organ, which is our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, we we don't image our brain, um, which, you know, it's the only medical profession um, that doesn't image the organ that they treat. You know, mm-hmm. we rarely do psychiatrists actually look like a cardiologist would for my daughter. Um, they just guess. It's like shooting darts in the dark. Uh, and hoping that um, they've got it right. Um, and they rarely follow up either. So they they rarely follow up and say, okay, uh, has my diagnosis, A, is it correct? Um, often a diagnosis associated with your symptom, not actually looking at the root cause of your problem. So it just deals with the symptoms you're experiencing. So that that's the same as if we go back to the car analogy, <laughs> It's like you, your engine isn't working very well, so you just turn up the radio so you can't hear the noise right. Right. <laughs> and hope that you'll keep going. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it's oh, we, there's uh, some clunking, so let's just turn, let's just turn the radio up, and hopefully that will get rid of the noise of the of the clunking. That typically right. that's symptom treatment how it works, but it never gets rid of the root cause, and and. The thing with brain health is we talk about the organ. So immediately you take away the pointing and the blaming of -hmm. the person because we are putting it into a third person state, not you are, are you okay? (laughs) Which is how we frame the start the conversation, which is immediately um, putting a blame on the fact that someone thinks you're not okay and it's you. (laughs) Right. Um, and, and asking, is everything OK, is the way, mm-hmm. the way I start the conversation, because then people are not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about all the problems that are causing them to feel the way they're feeling or whatever is happening. And it's the same with the brain is your brain is in trouble. It's not you're in trouble. <laughs> like yeah. you, you, you are stuck. It's We're talking about the organ in the same I... way we talk about the organ for any other anything else in our body I love that um, I recall once referring to someone um, whom I knew who had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder uh-huh. as being bipolar he is bipolar and a psychologist who I said that to um, corrected me and said, no, 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 no. 
it's not that he is bipolar. He is who he is. And he has a condition. He has bipolar is a condition um, that he has. It's not, you talked about the car as an example. Um, When, when the car is out of tune and has stalled, we don't say all of a sudden the car stinks. The car is, uh, you know, (laughs) Uh, you know, the the car is terrible. We simply say, oh, the car needs a new spark plug or the car needs a new fuel pump or, or the service. car needs to adjust whatever needs adjusting and attending to. And and this is the, the idea that I think is so important that that we attach shame and identity around these these things, even those top folks that um if if you um, if you go in search of this help, you you're somehow defining yourself as broken, as mm-hmm. mental, as messed up, or whatever. And that isn't mm-hmm. it at all. It's just yeah. no. This is this is part of the machinery, and I'm. I'm working on tuning up the machinery. Mm. And, and, so and, and the I, very word you talked about that mental is, you know, it has, you know, association back to the past as people get termed as you are mental, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. about, again, labeling the person as being faulty and historically they get put in as an asylum, exactly. um, maybe never to be, <laughs> never to come out again, because that's the way, you know, society worked historically, but we haven't removed the language um, from that, like, you know, if we talk about suicide, it used yeah. to be committed suicide because it was a crime. That's offensive. And I'm sorry if I said it and have caused offence to people. But now we say death by suicide because right. it's no longer a crime. But we still use the word mental. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to emphasize that I hope people heard that <laughs> that tone in my voice. I was I was I was mocking the use of that word and, and, yeah. and that, you know, cause people will say you're mental and, and uh, not cool. It's not, it's not, that's cool, not it. No. You're, you don't want to slap that identity in, on people. You want to welcome the notion that, mm-hmm. that um, I, I want to go to work. I want to embrace the effort to uh, enhance my brain health, to see which pieces of the mm-hmm. machinery, the, which parts of the organ could use some attention. You know, they're, they're speaking about bringing this into the open. I think that that uh, Prince Harry is mm-hmm. heroic in his efforts right now, where he is going out and talking very publicly about his own struggles with brain mm-hmm. health, with mental health, um, the fact that that he suffers from panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has co-produced a show that is on uh, HBO w- uh, with Oprah called mm-hmm. um, the, I think it's called The Me You Cannot See. And they profile all sorts of, of people who are talking openly about about their journeys with brain health, mental health, whatever it may be. And one of the stories that they dive into is how many teams in the NBA have 
hired performance coaches who are much more now involved in brain health, psychology, assisting the players with, you know, deep struggles and, and, um, and, but one of the heartbreaking parts of the conversation was that this, this coach, um, and I forget which which team it was, doesn't matter, was saying that many of the players are still afraid to come to him, or if they do come to him, they will say to him, you know, we got to go hide somewhere. I don't want anybody else to see that I'm even talking to you, that I'm even doing mm-hmm. this work because I don't want to be labeled however I might be labeled. Mm. And for them, this they made this point. Um, it can cost them big bucks. If they're Absolutely. so labeled, they may be less likely to get the big contract renewal or whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, the, the, I, I guess what I'm most interested in is how can people embrace this work and recognize that you know, actually, it's when you do this work that you end up getting the big raise or the big promotion or the big outcome because you are elevating your game. Yeah. Um, that's that's the real story here that that not only is it not about, um, you know, uh, not about shame and some negative identity, it's about. It, it's about elevating your game. And, mm. and so share with us some stories, if you will, about people you've worked with and, and uh, who have elevated their game um, mm. and, and, and how the, the work that you do with them translates into real progress in their business and in their life. Mm. So, so, the, so I'll just give you a, a few generic Example yeah, of course. I, I understand you can't. <laughs> you, um, you can't name specific people and share specific <laughs> examples. I, I fully understand that. No, that's okay. Yeah. So often I have people who come in, uh, we we do a detailed brain health evaluation, typically as part of the program they come on to, whether it's coaching or they purely just want to understand how their brain is functioning. Mm-hmm. And they they come in because they're struggling with something that they're, they're not performing at their best or they've noticed that there's been a shift uh compared to where they were performing historically and and often we uncover uh issues um that have been missed very often by uh the medical professional professionals mm-hmm. because they look at the they look at the symptom and they treat the symptom and often the medical profession works in silos mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and actually you know they treat they treat different bits of the body but they don't look at the fact that the body's everything's connected to everything else so but your brain is connected to your gut for example and if your gut isn't working right then your brain isn't going to be working right, right. Um, and vice versa so um often my clients will come in and we do a not just a brain evaluation but we look at them from a whole body perspective to say okay through the lens of brain health what's the root cause of the struggles they're experiencing and how can we tackle those um you know 
incrementally or systematically um, mm-hmm. to get to get rid of the, the problem. Now, one uh, typical thing that comes up is people experience um, limb dysfunction, um, which they've never associated with a brain trauma. Mm-hmm. And actually, they actually they're very much connected because what can happen is if you bang your head and you don't have to have a physical impact you could fall out of a tree or you could um uh have a minor car accident but you could have have had several including ski accidents like I did myself um and they all add up they stack so head trauma stacks even if it may not be classified as head trauma or brain I like to call it brain trauma rather mm-hmm. than head trauma so brain trauma stacks because when you if you think about your skull your skull is really hard your brain is really soft and your brain actually moves inside your skull um, and your brain is the consistency of soft butter but inside your skull it's not nice and smooth like it is on the outside it's really bumpy bony and ridgy and so when your brain moves inside and rattles if you're having a, a you know, a non-concussive blow, your brain can still experience damage, still experiences bruising. And furthermore, you can get bruising front and back because you have a contra-coup reaction. So it goes Mm -hmm. back and forth. And what we find is that movement in the brain can actually inhibit cerebral spinal fluid flow. So that's the fluid flow between the brain Um, all the fluid that surrounds your brain uh, and down into your spinal cord. And that affects how your limb functions. So often people who who come in, um, who I'm supporting through the coaching, have to get treatment in order to ensure that the fluid flow is working appropriately. And they can notice dramatic shifts in both brain function and limb function <laughs> as a result of a very simple intervention. Um, you know, when the youngest I've treated has been a, a child under the age of 10 mm-hmm. or helped rather, rather than treated, helped <laughs> under the age of 10, who I've, you know, referred on to go and get the support that they needed um, because, because the system had missed it and it completely transformed their life, went from migraines and um, people go from migraines and, and, and really limb tingling and all sorts of problems can be very severe to no, no, no problems at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have, you know, that's just one example, of course there are many, but you can make a dramatic impact to somebody's function, not just cognitively, but from a whole body perspective, when you start looking at the brain and how the brain works, because the brain runs everything. Yeah. It's actually the last thing that turns off. It, does, it Even after your heart stops beating, your brain is still working on a recent study. So the, mm. the last thing you'll have is, you know, the last thoughts you'll have is what you'll remember yeah. in your life so it's yeah. so important that we we think about our brain in that context as your engine of life yeah. um, and not some afterthought so I, I i heard you mention a moment ago you know uh, there are physical symptoms you might experience there's mm-hmm. the cognitive side there's the physical yeah. side and you talked about treatment but you also talked about coaching yeah and 
you're in the UK. Mm-hmm. A lot of my audience is United United States, mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. And how can you help them without them coming into an office to see you? What what do you offer? Um, what does it mean to have coaching around mm-hmm. brain health? Uh, mm-hmm. What can anyone listening do today? to begin to focus on their brain health short of hopping a plane, going to the UK, getting a taxi and visiting you in your office. (laughs) So you don't have to hop onto anything. You just have to hop onto Zoom Um, uh, unless you want to have your brain scan, which is slightly different. Um, But so the brain health evaluation that we do is a very proven methodology through the Amen Clinics protocol, um, which is as close to a brain scan as you can get without actually having one. So we do a huge history check um, for people. We look at all of the blood tests that they've uh, that they have taken, specific ones we ask for them to do, um, and then we evaluate them if they want to talk to a psychiatrist or a nutritionist or whoever it needs to be to get medical advice then we we will make we will make that available but it's optional it's not mandatory and the reason why we do that is because not everybody wants stuff on their medical records Mm -hmm. especially if you go back to the situation that you mentioned with regards to professional football players it it goes to entrepreneurs as well people just want to be fixed (laughs) they don't want to be shamed so so that's we provide that safe haven uh, and take it away from the medical space and you know then they are in control of what they want and they can choose to have it on the medical records or not if mm-hmm. you know it's up it's completely up to them and ultimately everyone owns their own medical records so it's up to you where where you want those those stores so that's the first thing and then we work we look at the five pillars of brain health which is which evolved out of my uh really horrific experience in the corporate world when I was told I had no emotional intelligence um, and they never seemed to look at the facts. And that's where facts was born, the five pillars of brain health. So the thing that drives us every day is our emotions. So the first pillar is feelings. So we get people to assess how they're feeling and that's often what people block. <laughs> we, we often focus on how we want to feel and don't think about how we're actually feeling. And the actual emotions that we have running, um, which is driven by the emotional centers in our brain, including our amygdala, if we've got any emotions that are, you know, attached to past traumas, can be running all the time. And that's that determines our behavior and the actions that we take. So the second pillar is actions. So your feelings drive your actions and your behaviors. The third pillar is our connection, and that's the connection to ourself uh, uh, and how we connect to our core values and beliefs. And our values is like our moral compass in life. This is when we know we are not, something's off (laughs) and we're misaligned. And it's about getting back into alignment with who you are and understand, understanding that authentic you that might be hidden beneath layers of, I need to be like this or that person. Um, but understanding who you truly want want to be and are, and then connection with others. So how you connect with yourself determines how you connect with others because the longest relationship we'll ever have is the one we have with ourselves, and we don't spend a lot of time looking at that relationship and whether it's a really healthy one or not. 
And then the fourth pillar is our thoughts. So these are the thoughts that this is like our background operating system. So this is the software within our mind is what thoughts are running in the background. Um, and they and we can be listening to them all the time, but not consciously aware <laughs> that, <Right>. that, <laughs> that they're going on. And we can have you know up to 90,000 thoughts a day. Um, and a lot of them are complete nonsense. Uh, a lot of them we shouldn't be listening to because um, right. they're not serving us. And it's making sure that we bring those thoughts into our conscious awareness and challenge the ones that don't serve us and turn the volume up on the ones that do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, our surroundings, which is the fifth pillar. And, and this is this is everything around us. And if we think that we just sit in isolation, you know, I talked about our brains connected to our body. Well, our whole being is connected to the rest of the world. And we know through our five senses that we're hugely influenced by our environment, by our surroundings. You know, if if I was in a you can see the sunset behind me now. So hopefully you can see me because it's 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 late in the evening. But if we don't get enough sunlight, we get moody because we Mm -hmm. need vitamin D. so you know and that influences our brain health that's just a classic example people in the winter often low in vitamin d get moody more fights and so on so you know we need to take into account how our surroundings are influencing our brain health including Mm -hmm. the toxic people that we surround ourselves with and often we can be surrounded by toxic people that don't serve us so it's about looking at all of those aspects because they're all interlinked and making sure we are in control of all of those and we know what's going on and we know who we want to be. We know how we want to show up and we've got all of the right tools to know how to manage our emotions, that they're not managing us and in control of us, know how to manage our thoughts, know how to connect with ourselves, the true person we want to be and how to more effectively connect with others and and making sure that our behaviors are serving us not hurting us right. and I, i'd love to go back to the, the engine analogy because if we think about the engine uh, that we have in our vehicles right we have different engine different fuels petrol or diesel typically and you can get high performance fuels for high mm-hmm. performance engines and if you put the wrong fuel in the engine and you put petrol and diesel as my husband accidentally did just as we were uh-huh. on our journey to Europe to France um your engine is really 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 unhappy to the point yeah. that it can break down and stop and yeah. you can cause a cataclysmic issue with your engine and when we found out that you know my husband disputed no I never did this and we had to check the receipt and phone the phone the um service station and everything we had to be pulled off the channel tunnel and oh, parked no. up outside. In the channel that happened. Oh, gosh. Uh, and I like <laughs> the humiliation uh-huh. <laughs> of holding yeah. everyone up whilst the recovery vehicle came along and, you know, oh, pulled us no. out. And, and we had to get the whole engine cleaned out and put the right fuel in. Yet how many times do we think about the fuel that we're putting in our bodies and is that fuel, the food and the drink, yep. optimised for our engine, which is our brain? Yeah. And, you know, it's the same principle. If you've got a high-performing engine, 
you need to put in high performing fuel. You need to get rid of the toxins. You need to lubricate it properly. You need to eat the right food that serves that engine. There's no Mm -hmm. good putting rubbish in your engine and pouring sand in and expecting it to work properly or putting diesel in petrol or petrol and diesel. But we don't take that time to do that. We just think that it's our, you know, we're broken. But but there's so many things that influence how our brain functions and we have to look at all of it. We can't just label someone uh, and drug use drugs. Yes, drugs are really helpful, Mm -hmm. but, you know, when it's appropriate to do so, when all all other options uh, have been exhausted. Sure, sure. Now, I've heard you talk about the power of stepping into your growth zone. Yeah. What what do you mean by the growth zone? Okay. <laughs> so uh, have you have you ever like been kayaking or skiing? Yes. Have, okay. <laughs> so so I as a kayak instructor and ski instructor um and one of the things that you focus on as an instructor is to make sure especially if you think about kayaking is you're in this big plastic wobbly boat right um and you you want to be able to swim (laughs) before Mm -hmm. you get in it because that ensures that you're going to be able to survive if you fall in the water and you want to be able to wear a buoyancy aid Mm -hmm. um, or life jacket so that you float if you capsize now what one of the first things that people do if they're wobbling in a boat is the natural instinct is to put your hand out because that's your natural inbuilt instinct that you have from Mm -hmm. birth is to put your hand out and stop yourself from falling in or falling over. But it doesn't work on water because your hand isn't big enough. It's quite tiny. So typically people will fall in when they use their hands. So you have to train people to use a paddle because it's got a much bigger surface area. And when you train them through incremental steps, they learn to go from hand, they relearn the technique to using a paddle or a low brace, and then you teach them to go to high brace, they go into white water, they take on bigger and bigger and bigger things, but it's all done through incremental steps, just like we do do when we're learning to walk. Mm -hmm. And you can do it really quickly if you're using the right techniques. You can teach people in a week to retrain their brain from using the hand to go and stop themselves from falling in on water to using a paddle because we um, have this emotional attachment Mm -hmm. (laughs) to learning a new skill Um, and and we build that growth zone. So we get out of our comfort zone, which is using our hands, and we step into a growth zone because we're trying something different and as you start to learn and see better and better things and, and know that, yeah, this is working, I've got this, then you you try a bit more and you try a bit more. Mm. And the key thing on this growth zone is building in your memory banks that you've done it somewhere before, something similar before, and it was hard and you could do it. And so I can do it again. This is no different. So one thing that we do, you know, from a cycling perspective is you you set a hill that's really hard and it where I live is Streetly Hill and it's a one in six gradient um, mm. and it's a it's a meaty hill. So if you're 
going on a, an event, a, a sportive like I do, and you're cycling up a hill, I'll go, well, this isn't as bad as Streetly, so I've got this. Mm-hmm. And you go further, and then you, you bank that hill in your memory banks. And then the next hill you go, and this isn't as bad as the hill I've just did. I've got this. And yeah. so you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But if we don't do the learning, we don't do the growing. And if we don't do the growing, from our brain perspective, our brain starts dying. So you yeah. are never stuck with the brain you have at any age, providing you focus on teaching it, learning, mm-hmm. creating connections and growing it, it, it in any capacity. Very, very powerful. And it reminds me of uh, James Clear's approach to habit building, his book, Atomic mm-hmm. Habits, yeah. is one of my favorite. And, and you know, one of the things that James Clear says is people tend to be too goal focused and then even if they're making progress incremental progress they're measuring themselves against have i reached the goal or not and it's mm. always a negative and and he emphasizes this idea of embracing the system and the mm. process and your your analogy of the hills is really right in line with that you know mm. e- each time you climb a hill you further you you establish that identity of yourself mm-hmm. as I'm mm-hmm. a cyclist I'm a hill climber mm-hmm. and you know your ultimate goal may be I want to you know win such and such race or or I want to do a triathlon or whatever the ultimate goal may be but but the focus is on you know getting through those steps and and being in as you're calling mm-hmm. it the growth zone um and and when that happens all of a sudden the habit formation and the identity formation <clears throat> pardon me begins to take hold mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the goals sort of work themselves out I think absolutely a, and yeah. it can happen in the opposite as well so if people tell us you are not enough Mm-hmm. And they label us. So, you know, I'm a cyclist is a positive, but they could label you. Let's take my emotional. You have no emotional intelligence. Oh, right. And then you start looking to tag on that hill <laughs> that labels you as, yeah, you definitely have no emotional intelligence. Yeah. Then you start defining the struggle, <laughs> not the growth. That's and you right. start building the struggle. And what's really important is that we recognize those stories we're telling ourselves, which can go right back to childhood Mm -hmm. and to experiences we often have with teachers, with parents, abusive family systems, um, destructive um, teaching, (laughs) uh, and also within the workplace. Um, That starts the seed of trauma. And we start believing that we're not enough. We're less yep. than those mm-hmm. labels that we people have assigned to us. But nobody defines who you are by the label they've given you. You define you. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want to label yourself, label yourself something positive and work on getting to that. Yep. 
you know, the only person's opinion that matters as to whether you can or can't do something is your own. No one no one else's. Yeah. So you define you. Yeah. Really powerful stuff. So important. How can people listening or watching today get in touch with you and and where should they start? What are some of the resources you have available for people Mm -hmm. to begin to dive in on on reaching their growth zone, focusing on brain health, Mm -hmm. getting to that next level? Sure, sure. So they can connect with me on any social media platform at Ruth Mary Allen or through my website, ruthmaryallen.com. If you go to the blogs, there's lots of stuff on the website with regards to um, all the things that we've talked about. So just explore the blogs that have been written. Um, And they can also obviously look at the programs that we offer, connect with us. There's a free 50-minute consultation. If they're struggling with anything with regards to unchaining their pain, then they can look at the trauma recovery coaching that we do, which is all done without them having to say anything, um, which is hugely important for some people because of the shame that we talked about at the beginning. Um, So people can connect and find out about that. It's just Ruth Mary Allen uh, and you'll find me and just message me is, is fine. Terrific. Ruth, anything else you want to share with the audience before we call it a day? (laughs) So I just say, you know, you you have a phenomenal brain. Your brain is the most advanced engine, not just on this planet, but in the universe. And there's so much untapped potential. Make the most of the engine that you have because it's with you for life and you have an amazing superpower hidden inside of you just waiting to be unleashed. Amen. Amen to that. I, I think all of us have room to optimize our brain. And uh, on that note, I will thank you, Dr. Ruth Allen. It really was a pleasure. I have a feeling we'll continue this conversation. Uh, we may have you back down the road on the on the podcast. There are all sorts of uh, important things that, that uh, you're bringing to the world. And, and I look for opportunities to have conversations like this down the road. So thanks so much for being here. And we'll see you again another time. Oh, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. And I look forward to it. listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 